to everybody in the way of impartation. And so that's going to continue, of course. I mean, there's always more of that. But I really feel the Lord saying, though, that right now this series is important. And I wish that, that everybody could hear this. It, it makes me sad as a preacher, as a pastor, sometimes to see important words, because this isn't my word. This is the, the word of the Holy Spirit to the church. It really is. It's not something that's just for me. It's for you guys. It's something from heaven. It makes me sad sometimes to see that not everybody can always be here to receive. And I know some people can't be. But um, anyway, let me go ahead and dive into this. So, Lord, we just pray over this word and over this series. Right now, Lord, I thank you for just an awesome anointing to settle upon me as your servant, Lord, to speak the word of the Lord. This is not my word, it's your word. And Lord, that you would validate this word, that you would confirm it with signs, as your word says you would do. But Lord, speak it through me tonight with boldness, faith, and authority, that it will go out as living seed to truth, sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives that's prepared by the atmosphere of heaven, prepared in the anointing here, prepared in the glory. And if the Holy Spirit will water those seeds of truth, and Lord, I pray that they would take root, deep root down into people's lives and grow and produce a harvest, a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Only you can do this, Lord. But put your word, plant it down in us. Lord, I pray that your word would, would like brand us inside. It would really be something that, that is received tonight deeply. Lord, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, not superficially, not with a carnal worldly mind, but, but by revelation. Eyes of the Spirit, ears of the Spirit, that the light of your truth, and this is what I really feel in this series, would shine forth and dispel any darkness and deception of the evil one and bring forth revelation and truth, that people be established in present truth as the Word of God admonishes us to be. Let your word be a hammer that breaks down strongholds of the evil one in the minds of people. Let it be a sword that cuts away that, that, that veil of flesh over people's hearts that tries to hinder them from receiving. It'll cut it away. And Lord, so that your word can go forth and be everything that you want it to be. We thank you, Lord, for it. We believe now that you're at work in Jesus' name. Alright, so thank you, Lord. So the way I'm going with this is I'm going to be dealing with different, in this sermon it's kind of sprinkled with different thoughts, take a few different twists and turns in this sermon, but I'm going to deal with a lot of things. Okay, I'm going to deal with things within us as individuals, I'm going to deal with things within the church, I'm going to deal with some things going on in the world, I'm going to deal with some things going on regarding the nation of Israel. And in this I'm going to talk a lot about the end times, but I'm also going to talk about um, the warnings that God has given us about the last days. I love the move of God. You guys know that I do. I love revival. Um, I love God's presence. But if you don't have roots down in the Word of God, and you're not established in the Word of God, then what happens is, is that you can become deceived. As, as sincere as you are, as hungry as you are for God. You can be the most hungry person for God on planet Earth, literally. But if, you don't, if you're not established in the Word, then Satan can come in and begin to bring some weirdness, and you'll be off into deception. There's got to be both. And I'm going to show you that in scriptures, and I'm going to give you some warnings. I'll, I'll touch on some things, but this is really just the beginning. But as a pastor, 
I know where this thing is going. God has shown me. I'm telling you, you guys are going to be surprised one day. I'm not. God is going to, he's got a harvest. He's got something very significant for this ministry. But it's so important that the groundwork is laid. I can't tell you how important it is. And I felt the Holy Spirit just really strongly impressing me that we've got to get some some roots down. We've got to get established in some things. And I believe that through this series, I, I hope that you hear my heart. I believe that you will. But at the same time, I hope that you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit crying out and warning you that there are a lot of pitfalls and deceptions out there. And to walk softly before the Lord. It's like going through a minefield. You can make it through the minefield, but you can't be in a big hurry and you can't just carelessly walk through there. You've got to take your time. And you, you've got to examine your steps. And that, that's kind of what I'm talking about. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of things out there. And it's like we're living in these last days. And it's like you're going through a minefield. But if you stay close to Jesus and you look where his footprints are and you put your feet where his have gone in front of you and you're with him, you're going to be fine. All right. So don't allow an unholy mixture or deception. Let me just dive into this. I'm going to give you several scriptures and then I'm going to get into the sermon. But just hear my heart about these scriptures. When Jesus was asked about the last days, he warned us to be great deception. He, he sat down, his disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the sign of these things being fulfilled? And listen to what Jesus said as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. You've heard me preach this many times. But that was the first thing out of Jesus' mouth in dealing with the end times. Think about that. Jesus knew the book of Daniel front, back, inside and out. He knew that one day he was going to give John the book of Revelation. I mean, his, his knowledge was limitless. He knew all about eschatology. And here he is whenever he's asked about the last days. The first thing out of his mouth, watch out that nobody deceives you. That's number one. I'm telling you. There's going to be a lot of deception in these last days. All right, everything must be submitted to the Scriptures. We must test the Spirit or test the Spirits. This is what I want to get across to you more than anything else. Some people that, that are Pentecostal, full gospel, charismatic, and all of that, they tend to lean on experiences that they've had with God. And experiences with God are wonderful. I mean, I've had some wonderful experiences with God. And I wouldn't trade him for the world. You wouldn't either. There's nothing like, you know, just encountering his presence, the the times that you've wept in his presence, the times you've laughed in his presence, the things he's shown you. Uh, You may have had a dream or a vision he gave you. And it's priceless. It it means the world to all of us, that, that, that God would speak to us, that God would spend time with us. There's nothing like that. But also what you've got to understand is, is that all of these experiences that we have, that we feel like are from God, they have to come under the authority of Scripture. They have to be submitted under Scripture. Are you hearing me? Your experience, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, no matter what it is, you have to throw it out. And there cannot be an exception. You know where the Catholic Church got so far off base? This is the truth. They, there's a lot of... there's. Martin Luther found 95 things wrong. But anyway, there's a lot of things wrong. And I agree with him. There's a lot of things wrong. There's a lot of false doctrine. But you know where their main problem is? That they believe that their leadership can override Scripture. 
and they believe that if a cardinal or pope or somebody says, well, this is truth, even though it's in stark contrast to the Bible, they will write it into their law, and now it's truth to them. I've preached on this before, you guys. So it's something that, that's where one, one of the areas that the Catholic Church has gotten so far, how in the world can you get certain things, how can you get that far off where your leaders are, are bowing down to graven images and praying to a graven image? How can you get that far off? How can you get so far off that you're worshiping Mary? How does this? How did you get in so much deception? How did that much deception come in? I'll tell you how. Because they believe that their experience, whatever that weird experience that they had was, they believe that they can have some, some kind of an experience or some kind of a revelation that overrides the Scriptures, and now they're, they're bringing that forth as truth. And I could go on and on about this. I'm, I'm going to give you a lot of examples. But everything has to come under the authority of Scripture. All right, when Jesus was walking the earth, and he had the Pharisees and the Sadducees that we always, it was funny, I think I learned this in Bible school, but the Pharisees, fair I see, you know, they're very arrogant. And the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. <laughs> I've never forgot that. I don't remember one of my college professors said that, but they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So anyway, the Sadducees come to Jesus. These are the ones that don't believe in the resurrection. They begin to try to trap him. Jesus dealt a lot with this. A lot of people tried to trap him with the way they were asking questions. And the Sadducees came to him and said, Look, if a man was married to a woman, he died. Um, somebody else married her, he died. Somebody else married her, he died. Somebody else married her. said, Whose wife she's going to be in the resurrection? They're trying to make Jesus look stupid in front of everybody. That's their goal. We're going to make this guy look stupid right now because obviously there's no answer to this question. And they were trying to trick him. And listen to what Jesus said. But Jesus answered them. He said, You are in error. Not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. They didn't understand the scriptures, and they didn't understand the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit. So therefore, they were in error. You can be a brilliant theologian in the scriptures, but if you really don't know the Holy Spirit, and you don't have a relationship like that, you can also be very deceived in legalism and a religious spirit too. You've got to know the Word, but you also got to know the Holy Spirit and have a humble, childlike, teachable spirit about you. Amen? But Jesus said you're in error because what? You don't know the Scriptures and you don't know the power of God. You've got to know both. That's why they were in error. All right. Now, Eve was deceived because she did not submit to her authority. God had put over her. But let me give you some things about Eve just real quick. Eve walked the garden with Adam and they walked with God. They had a continual experience with God. God would come down in the cool of the day. They walked with God. Is everybody getting this? They walked with Him. He talked to them. They talked to Him. They had a relationship. They had an experience. Now, they had one... They had, they had a Bible. It wasn't written, but they, it was one scripture. Because things were so innocent back then and so pure and there was no sin in them. They only needed one scripture as a Bible. And the scripture was, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of it, you die. That was their Bible. Not hard to memorize that. We've got 66 books, a lot to remember. That was, seriously, that was their Bible. That was the word of the Lord for them in that garden. But see, what you've got to understand is, is God gave that to Adam. And then Eve was created as a helpmate. So Adam told Eve, don't eat of that tree. 
Now, you can deduct this as you read this. You can go back and read Genesis you know, 2 and 3 for yourself and see what I'm telling you. But when Satan came, he entered the serpent, and he used the serpent for whatever reason he chose the serpent. I could get off on a rabbit trail of what I think, but I don't know. But anyway, he picked of all the animals, he picked the serpent, and he entered the serpent. And in that serpent, he goes up to Eve, and I'm sure that he made sure that Eve was hungry at that moment. I'm sure he didn't come to her right after she ate a big meal, because he was going to tempt her with food. And um, he tried to do it in a way that would play on the lust of her flesh and the lust of her eyes because he was showing her how, look how beautiful this fruit is, and the pride of life. Pride, he said, you can be like God. And so anyway, Satan began to tempt her. And listen to what Satan did, though. He challenged the word of God. Did God really say that the day you eat of this, you'll die? And Eve said, yeah, he did say that. He said, and listen what Eve's response was. She said to the serpent, the Lord said the day, the Lord said not to eat of it and not to touch it. Now this is interesting because God never said anything about not touching. He said, don't eat it. Where did she get the don't touch it? She got it from Adam. Y'all think about that for a minute. Adam said, don't even touch the thing. Eve, just leave it alone. Stay away from it. But anyway... My point in that is, is this is very subtle. It's like a nuance there in Scripture, but I want you to see this. Eve did not really, she wasn't really established in the Word of God like she should have been. She, did, she had one Scripture to memorize. She didn't memorize it right. You see what I'm saying? She didn't know the Word. And she responded to the devil, No, God said don't eat it, don't touch it. Anyway, I could go off again on a rabbit trail. I'm not going to, but Satan deceived her. She ate the fruit. But here's where she, she made the mistake. She did not know the Word of God. She depended on the experiences she was having. Amen? She depended on the experiences, but she didn't know the Word like she should have. And she ended up in deception. Now, when let's flip around now and go to Jesus, the last Adam. When he faced the devil, he was in... The, the wilderness and he had just been baptized and the Holy Spirit settled over him my opinion about the scripture it was not a physical bird in fact I don't think anybody saw the Holy Spirit but John the Baptist but anyway the Holy Spirit came down gently like a mantle and settled over him clothing him with power gently like a dove would and Jesus came out of that experience but listen the heavens there was a thunderclap to a lot of people that's what they heard but God said this is my son in whom I'm well pleased so Jesus goes out in the wilderness. What's the first thing that Satan does? He tries to challenge the Word of God. If you are the Son of God, if, turn the stone to bread. Now, he knew not to eat right now. He's supposed to be fasting, so it would have been disobedient. But how did Jesus respond over and over and over? He quoted the Bible, and he quoted it accurately. He knew it. Y'all seeing where Eve missed it, and Jesus got it? Jesus knew the Word of God. And Satan tried to trick him. Satan even tried to misquote or take out a context. I believe it was Psalm 91 or whatever where he took him up and showed him, say, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Just throw yourself down. Doesn't your Bible say that his angels will bear you up? And Jesus said, don't test the Lord your God. But anyway, Satan even tried to use the word of God to deceive Jesus. You have to know this word for yourself. And we're living in a time where people, by and large, 
have gotten lazy. In the athletic world, they, they say this person's gotten soft, man. They've gotten soft. You know, they quit working out. And, and I'm telling you, people, spiritually speaking, are getting soft. They, they don't read the Word. They don't pray like they should. And they're vulnerable. Okay? All right, let me keep going. First Timothy 2.9, Likewise, I want women, this is going somewhere with the deception, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as, it, as is proper for women making claims to godliness. A woman must, be, must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So notice there the deception. Okay, And let me just real quickly say that I know that this goes without saying. I know you guys know this, but, but women are dressed modestly. That's in the Word. Amen. So as things, you look at the world and how perverted and, and seductive now it is. And, it, and it's crept into a lot of the church, which I'll get into. But... Listen, that is not conducive to the glory of God settling the church. Okay. You want the glory in your life and in, and in your church, you've got to obey the Bible. And I know that you guys love the Word of God, but I would just say this to people out there that may hear this, and they may get offended at that. If you profess to be a Christian, shouldn't we love the Word of God and love all of it? Amen. So if somebody has a problem with that, they don't have a problem with me because I didn't write it. They have a problem with God because God wrote it. Amen? All right. All right, so Acts chapter 16. Now, this is an interesting scripture. I'm laying down some groundwork. And it happened as they were going to the place of prayer, a certain slave girl having a spirit of divination. This was a python spirit. It says it in the scriptures. A python spirit. She was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Okay, So this is a counterfeit thing. So the Holy Spirit, the Bible calls him the sevenfold manifestation of the Holy Spirit. His sevenfold attributes. He's the Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of wisdom, revelation, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Okay. So that's, the, that's what the Holy Spirit's manifold revelation about him is re- revealed in those seven attributes. And this is a counterfeit to the Holy Spirit coming as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Okay? So she's, a, she's got a python spirit, spirit of divination. She's got a demon. She was following after Paul, and she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed. You guys ever had something get on your nerves? Or this demon was getting on his nerves. And after many days of hearing this, Paul finally had enough. He had a belly full. He turned around and said, come out of her in Jesus' name. The demon fled. And her, her masters were upset because she couldn't fortune tell anymore. Now, the point of this is not to rabbit trail on that so much. But listen, she was following Paul. And she was telling everybody, these are men of God. They're telling you how to be saved. So, you see how deceptive this is? Because this demon was pretending to be of God. And I think that I know why. 
I've thought about it a lot over the years. I think that what Satan was trying to do was trying to deceive Paul into thinking that this woman had something from God. So that she would come into his ministry. And what would happen was there would be a mixture of what's holy and what's demonic. But see how deceptive. So these spirits will counterfeit the Holy Spirit and pretend to be speaking the word of the Lord. But it's actually a spirit of divination. It's a python spirit. So here's some things that concern me. Let me give you a few more scriptures and I'll jump into my sermon. 2 Corinthians 11.1 1. I wish that you bear with me a little in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Now he was talking to the church that he birthed, okay, as an, as an apostle. He told the Corinthians, I want to present you, church in Corinth, as a pure virgin, that I could present you to Jesus, your bridegroom. But I'm concerned, he said, I'm afraid, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Do you see that? Deception. That your minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Alright, 1 Timothy 4.1 the Spirit, the Holy Spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving, that's seducing spirits, deceiving spirits, and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to receive with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. But I want you to notice that we're living in the last days. And Paul's prophesied. The Apostle Paul said, the Holy Spirit clearly told me. And he's not speaking necessarily to, to this church because he said in the latter times. He's speaking to us. In the latter times, in the last days, church of the last days. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. In the last days, there will be deceiving, seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. He's trying to warn us. Second Thessalonians 2.1 Concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and us being gathered to Him. We ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy. Now, I want you to notice this. Even back then, You had people giving false prophecies, false words back then. And Paul said, don't be alarmed by some alleged prophecy or word or letter or whatever saying that the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. You see that? There's people that give false words. And he goes on to say the day will not come, the Lord's coming will not come until there's a rebellion, which is a falling away. And the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, is revealed. He's doomed to destruction. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or worship, so that he will even set himself up in God's temple proclaiming to be God. All right, 2 Thessalonians 6.14. Don't be bound together with unbelievers. 
For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, which is a demon? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, listen to what Paul is saying to us today. Okay? Come out from their midst and be separate. We are to be separate. Do not touch what is unclean and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. The Lord says, come out from the world and be holy, be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Listen, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And this is the last scripture, James 4, 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility, hatred? That's what that means, toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, I'm going to go through this. I gave you a lot of scriptures, but I'm trying to show you the deceptiveness, how the enemy is trying to come in the way of being a seducing spirit that deceives and seduces people away. You know, we just watched a, a good Christian movie last night. What was it called? Grace Unplugged. Grace Unplugged, something like that. Anyway, it's new, it's out. And so we were watching a movie, and it was interesting because this girl grew up in church, but yet it was like this seductive pull of the world. And she was a musician up there leading worship, but she wasn't content with that. She, she wanted to go after the world and after um, her dreams to be a popular singer and all that. And once she got into that, she started realizing the wor- what actually was required of her in the world. And there was a real conflict there between her professing Christianity and what the world was requiring her to do. That's almost saying because I don't want to ruin the movie for those who say it. I'm nice like that. But that's what Satan's trying to do. How many times have we heard stories of people that grew up in church and for whatever reason or another, they were seduced away from Christ? You know, now they, they got their skills just like this. They got their skills of leading worship and things like that in church. And they became really talented on instrument, a talented singer. And Satan began to seduce them. And now they're in the world as a famous pop singer, taking off all their clothes, dancing around seductively and, and, you know, living like they live. It's sad. And it's like the enemy has come in and he has seduced them. See, the last days they'll be seducing spirit. Seduce them away from Jesus Christ. And what concerns me, I'm going to give you some different things. I'm going to kind of jump around some different um, lines of thought here, but the worldliness that's crept into the church. And I know that you and I, we want the glory of God, but you can't have the glory, the manifest presence of God in your church if you're going to allow worldliness. And I'm going to give you some examples. Um, obviously, the way that some women are dressing now, and I'm not shooting this anybody here because you guys are great, but I'm just saying overall, you can go to a lot of churches, and it's, it is a shocking thing to see how some people are dressing now in church. Church is not a club. It's not a bar. Amen? 
okay? And and people come in that there's there's no respect. And, and then you bring up scriptures like what I just read to you earlier, and they get offended. But you got to understand, that's the Word of God. And I, I'm not trying to be hard on women because there's men that may dress goofy too, you know, and they need to get griped at just like everybody else. Man, put on some clothes. What are you doing? But I'm just saying that seriously to the women, and, and I've heard some women say, they get mad and they say, well, it's the men they shouldn't be looking. But that does not excuse. Yes, that's true. But that does not excuse your sinful behavior. You can't blame shift everything. You can't live in sin and what the Bible says not to do and be doing it and say, well, they just shouldn't be looking. It didn't work like that. And I had heard about this. I'm, I'm going to be nice about it, but I'm just going to give you an example. There was a, a pastor, a large, well-known church, and he was a, one of his parishioners was in a beauty pageant. This is a true story. I heard it from the woman that was in the beauty pageant and all that. And to be supportive, he was he was showing this in, in church. He was showing the beauty pageant in the church on the big screen to everybody, trying to support her. But the problem is, is that in these beauty pageants, they have like bikini scenes, okay? Now, here's, here's some things about that. First off, how awkward is that to the wives that are sitting there while their husband is in church gawking at all these women in bikinis, number one. Then number two, the Bible says if you look with lust, you've committed adultery. How many in the house of God right there were committing adultery by looking with lust? And many of them probably didn't even want to, but it was just like, it's there, you know, brought into the church. And I know you guys will support me, but I don't care if somebody gets mad about that. You know, they're going to get mad about that, you know. As I love what Steve Hill used to say. If you're going to get mad, I'll talk to you in King James. Be ye offended. <laughs> I sincerely mean that. I don't care if they get offended. That's, that's not right. The, the church of God in God's house should be a holy place. And they wonder why they're producing false converts. They wonder why people are leaving the church right and left and all this. There needs to be a glory there. There needs to be a presence of God. Also, all the drinking that's going on now. And there's stories of, of people that, good churches, that, that have a wonderful worship team. And then they send the worship team to, um, this is true stories of this, I'm paraphrasing it, but this happened. Where they send the worship team to a big church in, in the city to go to a worship conference. And the leader of the worship conference is taking them all out to drink. And they're getting drunk. And they come back to their pastor with a drinking problem now. And surprised at the person that's leading the conference of how many times he's using the F word. These these things have happened. This isn't hypothetical. The entertainment that Christians are allowing in their lives now. Listen, what you feed on will strengthen you or it'll kill you. And there's people out there that, that they're watching stuff and listening to things that's pure garbage, man. Pure garbage, straight from the pit of hell. And they're just feeding on it. Feeding on it feeding on it. And then they go to church and they worship God. And they wonder why they're struggling spiritually. Be holy. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That we're guarding our eyes, we're guarding our ears, we're guarding our hearts. Amen? We're guarding the house of God to be a holy place for God to move. I'm surprised and concerned about people that profess Christianity. That they're clubbing and they're partying. It's like the world. And I would say this. If you're comfortable with these sinful lifestyles, 
you really need to examine yourself and make sure that you are actually in the faith. Because the Holy Spirit in you is not going to be comfortable in sinful lifestyles. Okay? If you're going somewhere to witness, that's wonderful. Jesus did that. But if you're going there to party, there's something not right. Amen? Also, the tattoos, the piercings, the profanity. What happened to the church and the world being different? And people could look at Christians and say, man, there's something about that person. They're different. The churches now that are hiring secular musicians to play in their worship band. True story. Happened in Dallas, in Plano area. Michael Brown said there was a this person that had wrote a very rude comment on his Facebook. So, you know, he, he just simply was going to talk to him in a loving way, but saw that he was on a worship band at a church and thought, my goodness, what in the world? So he asked the guy, and the guy told him, listen, he said, I'm not a Christian, so I don't believe in God. And Michael Brown said, well, why in the world are you in a worship band at a church, man, you know? And the guy said, well, my dad goes to the church, and they hired me, and they pay me to play the guitar because I'm good on the guitar. So let's, let's think about that. You've got people leading congregations into worship, and you've got this atheist over here that's basically blaspheming God, doesn't even believe in God. But because he's a good musician, I'm concerned about the trend that I'm seeing of ex- acceptance about homosexuality. I love the homosexual people, and I know you guys do too. We love them. And, and I, don't, I, don't have any, I don't have any animosity or hatred toward them. And it really grieves me sometimes to hear the way the Christians, some people call themselves Christians, are mean to them. We're not supposed to be mean to people. We love them, man, and witness to them. But you cannot accept their sin. And you can't tolerate it. You can't say it's okay. It's not okay. And I'm going to tell you, taking the Lord's Supper in church and, and the, the awesome presence of God coming in, when, when God is moving in the house, God will give people space to repent. He will draw them. He will deal with them. He'll love on them. He'll minister to them. But over time, if they refuse to repent of their sinful lifestyle, the Holy Spirit himself will drive them out. Amen? But the problem is, is a lot of churches don't have the presence of God like that. So people can sit there in their sinful lifestyle and drink their latte and listen to their really cool rock concert worship service and and, and a little motivational speech from some speaker and never feel convicted and be totally fine and go home. And they're 100% on the way to hell and they think they're fine. There's something wrong with that. If you really love people, you will give them the Word of God. Now what you got to understand is this. The Word of God is a double-edged sword and it will divide. The Word of God that goes forth will do this. Listen, some people, the same light that melts wax will harden clay. The Word of God comes forth like a light. Some people will melt in humility, and some people will be hardened in their heart like Pharaoh was. If you'll preach the true Word of God, there'll be some people that humble themselves and weep and come to the feet of Jesus. And other people that will hate you and persecute you and walk right out. But the problem is is that now people are trying to water it down and speak it in a way to just make everybody happy with them. I'm concerned about 
the divorce rate. And I know that there's people that have been cheated on and, and been victims. I understand that. They've been really hurt. But I'm concerned about the flippant divorces in church. Flippant. Well, we just don't get along. Well, you know, come to Jesus. Let him heal you. Let him do a work in you. Don't just walk away from things. Amen? I'm concerned about the acceptance, um, a subtle acceptance toward abortions. I'm concerned about church trying to be a social club, making man happy and giving people what they want. It should be about the Lord. This is his house. What makes you happy, Jesus? What do you want? And what it's doing, it's producing false converts and it's causing people to fall away. That's what it's doing. There's a hybrid Christianity out there. It's not true Christianity. I hate to even say the word Christianity, but there's this hybrid that's forming. And this hybrid will call themselves Christians. And they really believe they are. They're deceived. They really believe that they are Christians. And one day, they are really going to persecute people like me and you. Because they're like these fundamentalist, Bible-thumping, old-fashioned, traditional people. And they don't even have a clue about what's really going on nowadays. And see, they've embraced this false Christianity, which is totally fine with you know homosexuality. It's fine with sexual sins. It's fine with a lot of things. And it's a false Christianity. And it will align itself with the Antichrist. And the Antichrist will love it. And together the Antichrist and this false Christianity will persecute the true Christians very strongly. Those that are still here. Alright. Being grounded and established. Does this help anybody? Alright. Where we're going in the move of God, we've got to have a good foundation. So number one, we've got to have the pure gospel preached. The pure gospel. Therefore, if the pure gospel is being preached, it's not going to produce false converts. I, mean, I understand that there's always going to probably be a few of those, but there, it's going to be something that produces a true lasting fruit in a lot of people. And that's why I'm so thankful for this move of God that's been going on with um, great comfort and hell's best kept secret for so long. Because he has really held his ground about the pure gospel. And I love him for Amen? He's a blessing. Now honor his ministry. But listen to what the Apostle Paul said. I'm amazed that you so quickly desert him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Now let's dissect this. A different gospel. There's different gospels out there. Which is really not another gospel. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we... Listen to what Paul's saying. If we... Or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what you, you have had preached to you. He is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. You better lay hold of the true, pure gospel. And get grounded in that. Because there's false gospels out there. And some of the false gospels is Jesus loves you and, and just wants to accept you just like you are. Just come down here and say this little prayer. And that's producing a massive false converts. No. We've got to understand, wait a second. Why am I coming to Jesus in the first place? I'm coming to Him because I have sinned. I understand I'm on my way to hell. 
I have sinned. I've broken God's laws. And now I see that Jesus paid for that. And He is my salvation. I'm not coming to Him to get a better life. um, A better self-esteem. To be socially acceptable with my Christian friends. Because my mommy was pressuring me. I'm not coming to Him because I have problems and I just want my problems fixed. What's going to happen when your problems work themselves out? What are you going to do with Jesus then? Well, no, you come to Him on the right understanding that you're a sinner that needs a Savior. And when you do that, the Bible talks about a born again, a new birth. Okay? And that's why I believe with all my heart you have two major problems in these last days. You've got a lot of false converts that really don't know Jesus. They think they do. And then you've got a lot of people falling away from the faith. And if they were grounded in truth and they were really Jesus's and they were really born in the Spirit and they understood what they need to understand, those two things wouldn't be there so much. Amen? So it's our job to give them the pure gospel. And listen to what Paul said. I'm not going to get into it today, but even if an angel from heaven There's a warning in that. People want all these experiences. I'll get into it in another sermon. I don't want to get off on a tangent. But you better bring everything under the authority of God's Word. And if you don't, and there's some people that don't like that. They're goofy, they're naive, they're gullible. And and because of that, they just blindly swallow everything. Those are the perfect candidates for great deception. The foundation has got to be laid well. I remember during the, the, the sermon I did, I studied the revival on the Isle of Hebrides. Remember, I preached it to you guys in that sermon about revival history. Duncan Campbell, the Holy Spirit came down in an awesome way in response to praying Christians. And Duncan Campbell came and he would preach. And, and the Holy Spirit was moving so strong on that island that people, the Holy Spirit would move into a region and people would be gripped with the fear of God. Gripped. I mean, that some of them be in a fetal position. They'd be crying, not know why they're crying. They're just like, I'm such a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. There was something that was gripping them and convicting them. And then Duncan Campbell would come in and preach the gospel and they'd accept Christ. But look, there's got to be a foundation that's laid where there's godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Listen to what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 7.10. But the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation... But the same sorrow, or I'm sorry, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So there is a sorrow of the world. But look look what this is. The sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance. Without regret, leading to salvation. Did everybody see that? There's a work of the Holy Spirit where people are convicted. And they're brought to a godly sorrow where they're really weeping, they're sorrowful for the sinful, wicked life that they've lived before God. And that leads to repentance. And the Bible says that 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 process, so you see sorrow, repentance, salvation. See, people nowadays, they they don't want to preach anything that's going to make anybody feel bad. Listen. Listen. People, I, I remember in the days that you read about them, and Wesley, Finney, Whitfield, all these that were studying, and, and all, they would people would be gripped with the fear of God, and they'd be weeping, and they'd be wailing, 
even in the Brownsville revival, you'd hear people down there never been in church a day of their life, and they don't know how to pray. They don't know how to pray. So they're sitting up there and they're just wailing. They're groaning. And that was the Holy Spirit convicting them of their sin. And then Steve will get up and say, All right, here's the good news. Jesus died so you can be forgiven. And he would lead them. They didn't know how to pray, so he would lead them in a prayer. And they would accept Christ. But see, that godly sorrow led to repentance of their sin and led them to Jesus Christ. But there's got to be some deep roots that are established in the new converts that we get. Listen, the Bible shows us in Mark 4, 6, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. You know, you go out sowing seed. Whenever God gives you the increase, you've got to take care of that. God brings people in. You've got to disciple them. You've got to spend time with them and teach them the Word of God so they get some roots down deep. And that's important to me. I've talked about that with our elders. That's important to me. So as people are getting saved and brought in, we've got to have something in place where they can get some real understanding of the the basics of Christianity. And there also needs to be in place deliverance and inner healing. Because people come to Jesus with all kinds of problems. They They come in, they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're born again, they're washed in the blood, they're on the way to heaven, but man, they've got a lot of baggage with them. And it's our responsibility to help them get all that off of them. And help them get healed. All right, this is what I want to start going in a different direction, start moving toward a close here. But the lack of discernment and the mixture with the demonic. We've got to test the spirits. We're living in a time where there's tremendous deception going on. And some of the things I'm going to share with you guys through this series is going to shock you. You probably have no idea. And it, it just it amazes me how accurate the Bible is, but also at the same time just seeing some of the things I'm seeing in the world. We're living in a time where prophecy is being fulfilled before your eyes. There's a lot of people who don't even realize it. But the falling away that's happening was prophesied. The, 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 how evil the world has gotten, that was predicted. The God-haters and the mockers that are out there. So, but listen, here's a couple things. Don't accept and swallow everything. I don't care if it looks good. You submit it under Scripture. I don't care if it's professing to be an angel from God. I don't care if it's a dream or a vision you think is from God. I don't care what the experience is. I don't care if it's somebody that gets up and they're prophesying in the name of Jesus. You better submit it under the authority of Scripture. Amen. It doesn't matter. I'm not impressed anymore. I'm not impressed with people's reputations. It doesn't impress me. Because there are some people that's had some incredible reputations that have prophesied some things that were way off. Way off. Okay. The Bible, I'm not going to get into it in this sermon, this next sermon, but the Bible says to judge prophecy. Is that not what it says in Corinthians? Judge it. Don't accept and swallow everything. People that do that are gullible. The Bible says that they're baby Christians that are tossed to and fro. I just, it was interesting. This was in my sermon, and then Steve Hill posts. I shared it. He posts this Don't be a tumbleweed Christian. And then you read on there and it's like tumbleweeds are blown here and there by winds of doctrine. You love Brother Steve. He comes up with some awesome stuff. And that's a, and I remember I'd already written this down. I was like, yes, God is speaking to all of us the same thing right now. And 
But that's that's the truth. When the Holy Spirit's speaking, a lot of times it'll be throughout the whole body. You'll hear nuances of it at different places. Isn't that true? But don't accept and swallow everything. If you do that, you're going to be like the... You remember the story I told you guys about Elisha and the, and the sons of the prophets? And the sons of the prophets, one of them went scurrying out in the woods and tried to get at some mushrooms or something, you know. <laughs> and they brought them back and put them in the pot. And they all started eating and, and they started crying out, wait a second, there's death in the pot. This is going to kill us. This is poisonous. So Elisha goes over there and prays over whatever and the pot's healed and they can eat. But the point is, is that baby Christians many times, please hear me, baby Christians many times will eat the good, but there'll also be a mixture in there if they're not careful of something that's poison. That's the truth. And there has to be a spiritual father figure, somebody that's there going, wait a second. You better submit that under the scriptures and make sure it's of God. You, we've got to test the spirits. You don't just blindly accept everything. You don't just throw every mushroom in the pot, man. Some of them are good. Some of them will kill you. But they look similar. I know the story was a gourd or something. Okay, I'm just making a point. All right, so another thing is, I know I've said this a lot, but just everybody just flippantly laying hands on everybody. Listen, the, the Bible says don't be hasty about laying hands on people. There needs to be an atmosphere of protection. Don't you all appreciate that? All right. Being grounded in discernment. People need to understand that you judge everything by the Scriptures. Everything is subject to come under the authority of Scriptures or great deception will follow. We must learn to know the Holy Spirit and listen to what He tells us. This comes from prayer, a prayer life and spending time with Him. How I many of you guys know the Holy Spirit? Really know Him? Really? How I many you know His voice? You know His leading? You know when He's grieved? You know when He's joyful? You know Him? That comes from spending time with Him. Okay? The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's 13, 14... It was, it was the last scripture. He said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And that word fellowship is koinean and in plus intimacy. In other words, he was saying, you've got to know the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say? It's better that I go away. But think about that. Let's just stop there. He said, it's better I go away because I will send you the Holy Spirit. And he'll teach you all things. He'll lead you into truth. Yes, it's important to know the scriptures, but it's also important to know the Holy Spirit. Because He will lead you into truth. He'll teach you the Bible. And the thing about the Holy Spirit is, you have to spend time with Him. You have to spend time in His presence. You have to listen to His voice. You need to learn His leading, how He leads and directs you. You need to know whenever He's putting up a red flag in you, say no. You need to learn these things. The Holy Spirit is the one that will give you a green light, and He'll give you a red light. The Holy Spirit's one the one that will cause you to feel really uncomfortable around one person, but then you'll feel really comfortable around somebody else that you may not even know him, you just met him, but you feel a kindred in your spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who will lead you in all truth. But listen, don't just depend on the experiences that you feel like you have from God. You also got to know the word. We must learn to come under also godly counsel and wisdom. That's where Eve missed it also. She didn't listen to her authority. Now, what was the last thing Adam told her? Don't touch it. She rebelled against her godly authority, and she ended up deceived. 
and not only ruin in her life, but ruin in many other lives. She should have come under her authority and submitted to him and done what she was told. So there is a place for us having godly counsel and wisdom and authority over us that we're submitted to authority and listen. And some people hate that. There's, a, there's like a rebellious spirit in the world, isn't there? All right. The prophecy by Stanley Frodshams, who traveled and ministered with Smith Wigglesworth in New York, summer of 1965. He prophesied this big, long prophecy. Okay, I'm just giving you a nugget here. But I post it on my Facebook. If you guys are my friends, go read it. It's really good. But listen to this nugget of it. It's, he said this. This is 1965. He said, God was, he's prophesying, when I visit my people in a mighty revival power, it is to prepare them for the darkness that lies ahead. With the glory shall come great darkness. For the glory is to prepare my people for that darkness. I will enable my people to go through because of a mighty visitation of my spirit. Listen to the messengers that I send, but don't hold any man's personality in admiration. Let's just think about that. For many whom I shall anoint mightily with signs and miracles and wonders shall become lifted up. What does that mean? Pride. They'll become lifted up and put on a pedestal and they will fall by the wayside. They shall be taken over by deceiving spirits and lead many of my people astray. Listen diligently concerning these things for in the last days shall come seducing spirits. This is the word. This prophecy is from the Lord. I read that whole prophecy. It was powerful. You can't get your eyes on people. There's certain times that people will really have somebody in admiration. Oh, if so-and-so says it, listen, put it under the scriptures. I don't care if so-and-so said it. There's people I really love and appreciate too. But it's going to be under the authority of the scriptures. Amen. Is this the truth? Am I preaching the truth? It better come under the scriptures. This is what the Bible says. Be like the Bereans. Listen to what the Bible says about the Bereans. How many of you guys know who the Bereans are? Just look at me. No, you guys, all right, some people are like, I don't know who these people are. Who in the world? <laughs> all right, in Acts 17.11. Listen to this. Paul was going from city to city preaching the gospel. In Acts 17.11 it says, Now the Berean Jews, this was a city, okay, the Bereans, they were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They didn't say, oh, it's Paul. It just must be true. <laughs> the only person you can do that with is Jesus. All right. Anybody else, an angel that says he's from heaven, you better hear me because I feel like this is a real warning for spirit. I don't care if it's an angel that says they're from heaven. Didn't an angel of light appear to Muhammad? Didn't an angel of light appear to Joseph Smith? They weren't from God, man. I don't care if it says if it's an angel. I don't care if it's a dream. I don't care if it's somebody you've always admired. I don't care who it is. I've gotten to the place where I genuinely don't. Reputations all that do not impress me. That's my wife. I don't care. It better line up with the Word. Okay? And I know the Holy Spirit. I don't say this in any braggadocious at all, but I know Him. I spend time with Him. And I know. That's why when I went to Toronto or whatever, you didn't have to tell me this is a move of God. I mean, the minute I walked in, the Holy Spirit that I know, the Holy Spirit that I spend time with, He was there. 
I love that this one pastor, um, it, I showed you guys the video, I don't remember his name, but he went to Rodney Howard Brown meeting, and, and you know, back when Rodney first started, there was a lot of, um, you think about it, this was new to America. So here's a man up here, I mean, if you watch some old videos of Rodney, it was funny because he's up here trying to preach. He's totally serious. There's, he's not cracking a joke. He's sitting there going in the word of the Lord. He's reading the Bible and Jesus appeared and he said, and there's people hysterically laughing, falling out, shaking on the ground. This person over here crying and this, all this stuff going on. The Holy Spirit was falling in power. And this pastor uh, said, man, he said, I didn't know about it. He said, I went to just check it out. And uh, his testimony was hilarious because he was sitting there with his wife. But this is what he said that stuck with me. He said, but you know what? He said, the same Holy Spirit that I've known my whole life, the same anointing that I felt when I preached, that same Holy Spirit was in that place. Did you hear that? We've got to know the Holy Spirit. All right. The last couple of things. The lack of prayer and fasting. I'm concerned about the lack of prayer and fasting in a lot of Christians and how lukewarm people have gotten and how people's love is growing cold. Jesus is coming back for a bride that's on fire. I'm just telling you. He's not coming back for a lukewarm. Their garments are all dirty and stained with the world. They don't have extra oil. Their lamps barely flickering. He's not coming back for that. He's coming back for a bride that's on fire, that's looking up, crying out for him to come, Lord. Come, Lord, we're hungry for you. Come. He's coming back for that kind of bride. There's a difference between the body of Christ, which is a lot of people go to church and profess Christianity. There's a difference between that and the bride of Christ, which are those that have, have made their garments ready. Y'all hear me? They've got extra oil, and they're watching, and they're praying, and they're making themselves ready for His coming. And it concerns me because the lack of anointing and the lack of God's presence that I feel in certain places. Listen, what happened to the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Where did that doctrine go? I mean, there's people that, that are from mainline Pentecostal circles. They went to Bible school. They know the Bible. And they're not praying for their people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is not the time to grow cold. This is not the time to, to back off from prayer. This is the last days. This is the time. If there's ever been a time to pray, it's now. If there's ever been a time to get extra oil, it's now. If there's ever been a time for a church to really go after God, this is it. If there's ever been a time to go after the harvest, the Bible says it's the, the last days is the harvest. I'm concerned about that. As God's pouring out His Spirit on all flesh, I'm concerned at some of the people that are so flippant about that. Listen, this is the day and the hour when the Bible says, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. We should be going after that. That's a promise in the Word. And in the last days, He would do that. Listen, if, G if the Bible says clearly, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit, I want to be right underneath that waterfall. Amen? It's concerning me because people become entertainment-based instead of being hungry for God. Throw it all out the window. I don't care about the entertainment. I'm tired of the young people going places and, and there's the most awesome uh, concert and, and rap and it's good. I mean, it's... And, and, and all the things and they got the t-shirt and, the, and all the entertainment you could ever imagine, the smoke and lights, it's done to a T and it's good. But if they're not going to leave there having gotten right with God, the sick being healed, isn't that what Jesus did? 
Demons leaving people that need to be delivered. Baptizing the Holy Ghost. Okay? Having an encounter with God. If they're not going to come out of that with that encounter, then what is the point? They can go home and play PlayStation, man. They can go home and watch a movie. They can listen to their iPod to be entertained. They don't need any more entertainment. They need an encounter with God. And I wish Benny Hinn would do that again. If for some reason this ends up going to Benny, listen, man, do it again. Because he, at one time, he was having these youth conferences. I don't know if you guys even remember them. I went to it. I was an old guy. I didn't care. I went in there. And he was, he was preaching. Listen, he, he spent, I love this man so much. Who would spend like two, three, four hours praying for two? Going like this, praying for two. Going like this. And they would keep just bringing up young people by the tens of thousands. Who would do that? You know that that man loves people. Amen? And I saw, I went down there, I was, I was hoping I'd get up there, but I didn't. Anyway, so I was sitting there watching, and I saw young people. Benny was just turning like this, man. He's just, I saw them flying through the air. There was one guy let out this blood curdling scream. I said, what in the world? They brought him up. He was deaf, but he was healed completely. Benny didn't pray for his healing. He just, there was people that had demons come out of them. They were, I watched, I saw people, demons leave them. I saw people baptizing the Holy Spirit, people flopping around. They will never forget that. Are you hearing me? They'll never forget that. That's what they need. They don't need more entertainment. Benny didn't get up there and let's all sing some really cool songs and let's all do this stuff, you know. Picture Benny Hinn busting a rap. I'll bust a rap for him, you know. <laughs> let's all let's entertain these young people. No, he's forget all that. I can see Benny. Forget all that. Let's have the Holy Spirit show up. Let's have church. That's what young people need. Amen. Now I'm concerned about the casual church attendance. The Bible says don't forsake assembling together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one to all, all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, if there's ever been a time to be in church, this is it. Listen, we're right at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's no doubt about it that His coming is near. And the Bible clearly says, and you've got people that are just sitting at home watching Gunsmoke or whatever, don't even go to church. I'm serious. What is wrong with people? They've grown cold. You know, they're just, they're dead spiritually. This is the time to draw nearer to God. These are the last days. Alright, so let me give you a few more things. I believe with all my heart that if Jesus came today, He would not be accepted by much of the church. Let me show you why. They, they wouldn't, they would be offended. And there's some of you, I love you, but there's some of you that may have turned away. Just tell me. How would you like for him to turn around in front of Airbank and go, get behind me, Satan? And he wasn't playing. Would you still follow him the next day? Or would you be offended? Listen to this. Luke 7.23 Blessed is he that does not take offense in me. I can just hear the modern church. Jesus came in. Cloaked as a modern evangelist, but it's Jesus. Listen, he goes into a church to preach, and I can just hear the people after the revival say, man, that guy, he preached some crazy sermons like eat my flesh and drink my blood. What is that about? You know, he offended this rich young ruler. I mean, you know, he could have helped fund our church. He could have helped fund the building project. In front of everybody, he told him, go sell everything you have and follow me. I mean, he ticked the guy off. The guy had some money. You know, you would think that you'd use a little class. 
I'm trying to be serious. Y'all are laughing on me. A young man came and God touched him. You know what Jesus told him? He told him to go and sin no more. Get the sin out of your life. I mean, that doesn't, man, that's offensive. Told him to quit sinning. I couldn't believe it. He went in the back and he got some potted plant and he spit in it, made mud, and put it on somebody's eyes. And told him to go wash in the bathroom. I've never seen any, what in the world? He did that breathing on people thing, man. Like Benny Hinn, he blew on, he told some people to come up here and he said, receive the spirit. They were on him. He breathed on him. you believe it? His disciples that came with him, they didn't even have very good hygiene. They didn't even wash their hands before they ate. Our denominational leaders came and he had the nerve to yell the seven woes to him. You bunch of Pharisees and blind guides. Repent. He ticked off our denominational leaders. I mean, what is going to happen the next time we have a meeting? I mean, this guy just totally just... During the church service, a demon manifested and cried out in the middle of church. And he seemed okay with it, like it wasn't a big deal. We have rooms for these things. Why didn't he just send the person back? He didn't even send them back to the back room. He sat there and just commanded the thing come out right in front of everybody. It slew like a snake and everything. We had to repair the church roof. I couldn't believe it. Some people came. They brought a sick person. They tore the roof. They tore a hole in the roof. They lowered the guy down. Now we're going to have to spend like $5,000 have the roofers come and fix the roof. I think he's a bit crazy. He touched a leper. There was a leper came to church. And he went up and laid hands on him and healed him. Couldn't believe it. Afterwards, he went to a, a, a local cathedral in town. He made a whip and drove people out of it. We actually saw him pass by a local bar. And sinners tell, he was telling him how to be saved. What's he doing hanging out at the bar over there? He just preached. And now he's over there. People came to ask him who he was. He responded, I am. And they all fell down. (laughs) What is one thing that we can learn from Jesus? If we're going to be like him, we're going to be controversial. Listen, the modern day church, by and large, would not accept Jesus' ministry. Just like they didn't then. So here's what I want to close with. I want you to judge for yourself what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you're going to know the word for yourself. Don't depend on me or anybody else. You know the Bible for yourself. It's, I love you guys. I know you, you love me and all of that. But, man, get the Bible out and exa- start making it a habit that you follow along in the Scriptures. And you look it up for yourself and be like the Bereans. Don't get a stinky, snotty attitude. The Bereans did not have that. Don't sit there, well, we'll see. Not like that. The Bereans had a sweet spirit about them. They eagerly received the Word of God, but they just wanted to make sure. That's what you need to do. But don't just sit there. Study it out for yourself. And submit everything to the Word of God. Number two, get to know the Holy Spirit for yourself. Then you can test the spirits. Because you're going to know, if you know the Holy Spirit, you're going to know when it's not Him. Because the enemy has counterfeits out there. 
and develop a strong prayer life. So judge for yourself. What am I telling you? What is your pastor telling you? Is it right? Am I preaching the truth? Seriously. Am I telling you, you know the word for yourself. You have a prayer life. You get to know the Holy Spirit. You don't depend on me. You don't depend on the TV preacher. You don't depend on anybody. You don't depend on your mom and dad, your spouse, you, for yourself. Your spouse can go to heaven and you not. I'm just telling you. you know, this is all, we're on this thing for ourselves. That old saying, every man for himself. This is every man for himself. you got to know Jesus for yourself. So what is the greatest attack? It's against your prayer life. I'm telling you. It's against your prayer life. Because the enemy knows if he can keep you out of prayer, your discernment will grow dull. Your fire will die down. And you become spiritually vulnerable to satanic attack and deception. That's the truth. Another great attack is to get people out of the move of God. Satan knows the power of corporate worship together where there's a corporate anointing. And the Bible warns um, as we see Christ coming not to forsake assembling ourselves. So the enemy, another great attack is to get people out of church and away from the move of God. This is a time to preach and sin under true preaching like never before. We need the truth preached under a mighty anointing. And we need some good preaching about these end times, don't we? We need to know what's going on. But here's what I want to close with as, as the altar time. This is what the Holy Spirit put on my heart. 1 Corinthians 14, 29. I'm just touching on this, but it says, Let the prophets speak two or three and the others judge. It says to judge prophecy. If I go to a meeting and somebody prophesies over me, that's fine. And I'm, I'm, I love prophecy. But I'm going to judge the prophecy. I don't care who it is. You understand that I really don't care who it is? I don't care if it's the most famous person that calls themselves a prophet. The only person that's without fault is Jesus. They're not Jesus. And so it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'm open to the word of the Lord. But I'm not so open that I'm going to blindly swallow what everybody tells me all the time either. It better line up with the Word. It better be the Word of the Lord and not a counterfeit. It better be the real deal. I'm hungry for God, but I'm hungry for the real. I don't want a cheap counterfeit. Ephesians 4.14, We are no longer children tossed by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men or craftiness and deceitful scheming. I'm concerned about how, how people are just tossed to and fro. I can go back over my life. I've had a lot of people prophesy. And I can show you a lot of good prophecy that was powerful, man. It was powerful. And I can show you a lot of it that was false. It was flesh. It may be even demonic, but it was not God. I'm just telling you. All right. Let me ask you this. Has there been in your life, or is there now, an unhealthy fascination with the paranormal? Think about it. There's some people that when they were in the world before they came to Christ, maybe they got mixed up in the occult or something, but there was a fascination like a like a lusting after the paranormal. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There was a lusting after the paranormal, after the supernatural, after these 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 spiritual experiences. And whenever they come into Christ, they love the Lord and they may be hungry. Um, for the supernatural to an extent and that to an extent it's good but there can be a fascination and a lusting after the paranormal that can actually open you up to deception this is good some people like this some people won't it's just the way it is but you, we're not in this thing 
to lust after and be fascinated with. I've just got to see an angel. I've got to have a dream. I've got to have some experience. It's not like that. You just want Him. There's a difference. There's a difference between wanting Him and wanting experiences and lusting after experiences. I've got to have these experiences. People that have this, this weird fascination with the paranormal as Christians, they better be real careful. I believe in my heart that it's still an iniquity drive that carried over from their past a lot of times. They had a fascination with the paranormal in an unhealthy way. They come to Jesus and now, instead of getting that root taken out of them, now they just transfer that on the, the supernatural over on this side. But there's angels of light that are not from God. So are you fascinated with these things? Do you lust after these things? Do you have a tendency to blindly accept anything supernatural? This is un, an unhealthy fascination that can be an iniquity drive from an occult past. Be careful with that. I go to meetings. I'm open. That's my wife. We went to Toronto. Man, every time I could get prayer, I got prayer. I was hungry. We went through prayer lines, fire tunnels. We, I soaked up everything I could. But the whole time, I'm, you know I'm saying? I'm aware of what's going on. You can be hungry for more of the Lord and open to Him, but at the same time, not be just blindly sucked into everything. You see what I'm saying? And that's what I feel the warning of the Lord is. I feel like there's some people, within the sound of my voice in this group, that this is actually a warning from the Holy Spirit to you. I really do. That you need to learn the Word for yourself. You better learn it in a way that you can defend what you believe. You defend it. Not texting Pastor Scott. What does the Bible say about this? That's fine. I love you. And I love to respond to your text. But what's going to happen if you got some slick person over here that's trying to deceive you into some teaching that is not of God? You need to know what the Bible says for yourself and not be like, hold on, wait a second, Pastor Scott. What is it? <laughs> I'll answer your text. I love you. It does not bother me. I love doing that. I really do. But I'm saying that what's going to happen if I'm not there? I'm in the shower, man. You need to know. <laughs> you need to know this for yourself. <laughs> I'm actually being serious now. And, and I really feel like you need to know the Holy Spirit for yourself you know his presence you spend time with him and another spirit starts slithering in you're like wait a second that's not the Holy Spirit that's off and you need to deal with there's any occult root something from your past something, something in your family where there's this, this lusting after this paranormal stuff we just got to have it. You're just that's that's weird. It's not God. Listen, that's an idol. Jesus wants our full love and focus and attention on Him, not about these paranormal experiences or these supernatural experiences. Which, when they are of God, it's awesome and it's wonderful. I love it just like you do. But it better be of God. Amen. All right. So I'm gonna pray and. Uh, Let's just take a moment here. Just close your eyes. Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the warning of your word. And I thank you like, like Adam and Eve. You know, Adam had told Eve, don't touch that stuff. Stay away from that word. And there, there's things I'm telling you as a pastor, be careful with some things out there. Be careful. There's some things out there that are of God, and there's some things out there that are not of God. And it's our responsibility to, to make sure that it's submitted to the authority of the word of God. And um, I want to pray with people tonight. But what I want you to do is where you're at, I want you to pray. Verzak, if you could maybe 
play some worship for a second, maybe at number five or something just real peaceful and send that CD player. And also, we can go ahead and shut down the...